2: It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. 2 hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in the uh, second half hour here for another edition of KSL Outdoors Radio. Nice to have you with us. We're recording this program on Thursday this week. Russ has stepped away for a minute so we could clear a phone line here for our guest, but uh, Navadomskis is uh, still with us this morning. Navi, we were speculating about uh, ice conditions up there. I saw a post, I think, from Strawberry Bay Marina. Uh, they were waiting for the ice to firm up a little bit and, and, of course, spread a little bit farther across Strawberry, and they were having a little trouble. Uh, getting it to form because uh the winds there were some warmer winds earlier in the week that were kind of slowing down the growth of the ice it,
3: you know it doesn't have to be warm winds it just has to be winds because the temperature gets to the point that it causes ice but if the wind blows it off then you're back to square one yeah so yeah winds are problematic in fact windy lakes aren't really good for ice fishing
2: we will uh, uh, reach out to, as I mentioned in the first half hour, hopefully get Paul Phillips on somewhere in the near future to talk about ice conditions firsthand from the marina store there and what his experience has been. But speaking of ice fishing, I'm excited to get Nate Zelinsky back on the phone with us. He reached out to me uh, a week or so ago and mentioned that uh, a couple of the ice addiction events are coming back, uh, two of them in Utah, one at Echo Reservoir, one at Steineker Reservoir. When is the first one Nate?
1: Hey, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We're, we're so excited about it. You know, the, our Utah audience at these events is second to none. We host all across the country, and the excitement and dedication by our folks in Utah is awesome. So uh, it, it's exciting. So the Glenn's Roofing Ice Addiction event uh, is on January 21st at Echo. So the first event uh, in Utah is January 21st at Echo, and, and we're excited about that that event for a handful of reasons. One, Fishing at Echo is fantastic, just you have a variety of species and you have the opportunity at some big fish. The other kind of thing, they've been doing a ton of construction, and that reservoir has been closed for some significant amount of time. So the fact that it's opening up for ice fishing, we kind of have an unpressured, unsolicited reservoir on top of just what makes that reservoir great. So that event is shaping up to, to be pretty pretty awesome. And then our second event is February 4th at steinecker um and in our 10 years and 40 some events of ice addiction history we've never weighed more fish than we do at steinecker every year so as far as your overall catch rate and catching a lot of fish uh steinecker is second to none so both events in utah this year are really shaping up to be pretty magical that's interesting i am
2: glad you mentioned that uh you know as far as overall fish weight steinecker had performed really well in the in uh, the past And we'll look forward to and have to wait a little while to see what the conditions are. What do you know about water levels at ECHO? I'd be a little concerned about that unless you know something I don't.
1: Yeah, no, the water levels are are very low in regards to that. Um, It's kind of a two-part relationship. So as a water source and a person who lives kind of in the Rockies, we obviously hate seeing low water just because we want to have that water source. In retrospect to this particular event, the low water actually helps us out. Number one, it gets us into kind of a little bit more of a basin, so we have a lot of opportunity for the anglers to fish. At all species. Uh, when we fish really shallow water dropping to deeper water, you know, some anglers are in shallow water targeting rainbows, some are in deeper water targeting perch and browns, and it really diversifies the course. When it's in the situation that is it is this year, they're kind of going to be a little bit more of a mellow playing field. So we like that because then all the anglers are competing for the same thing. So we love that aspect. But number two, uh, on an event that comes to town like us, We need a lot of parking, and the water level's low. Uh, Eric, the park manager there, really helps us out, and he lets us park on the beach. So it really helps us out with the parking for our event. So now all the anglers that attend Ice Addiction can park literally near feet off of the fishing area. So it's great for anybody with special needs. It's great for the idea that you're not dragging, you know, sleds and all your gear a long distance so you know negative in in the impact of low water for the community but great in the fact that it condenses the fish it makes for great fishing and it makes for great parking so for us uh it's a win-win situation right now
2: Navi they uh, make some pretty good points there
3: well absolutely (laughs) there's no question you want to be fishing when it's low water it's it it condenses the fish to a smaller region um It's obvious that's the case. But my question for Mr. Zelensky, by the way, related to the president of uh, Ukraine there, now on the man of the year, (laughs) um, let let, let me ask him, do you set, like, borders or parameters so all others are close by so you can enjoy the camaraderie and the excitement? Or are they literally spread out far enough where they have to get a snowmobile to race
1: over to be weighed? That's a great question because that really is what makes ice addiction what it is. You know, we started this years ago, and our concept was, you know, whether you want to believe there's some foul play in ice tournaments or not, at the end of the day, it's it just one of those situations that we're dealing with in the community. So at Ice Addiction, we pre-drill the holes. Now, with that being said, immediately people are like, oh, why? I don't want you to pre-drill the holes. I don't want you to tell me where I have to fish. Uh, it's not like what you think it is. So we pre-drill the holes, and when we go out there, we set a grid. So the grid on Echo will be, roughly speaking, you know, three 400 yards long by, you know, two to 300 yards deep. So a massive, big rectangle will have you know 1800 to 2000 holes that we drill that morning so we guarantee there is 30 to 40 percent extra holes for the anglers to fish so you basically check in at our trailer right there on shore right on the edge of the the lake um you walk out you pick a hole and you can move around as much as you would like throughout the course of the day um what we basically do with that is The concepts are we don't allow shelters, so you're fishing outside. The event's only four hours, eight to noon, um, so there's a lot of opportunity to where you can still fish outside. You don't need a shelter. It's short-term, but by eliminating the shelters, everybody is in clear view, so we virtually eliminate foul play. So there's no cheating, no anything, and I think a a lot of us saw what happened in Ohio this year, uh, and it's just one of those things. So we, we really pride ourselves on that fun fair event so one it's fair there's no foul play so we love to have that in the back of our mind two you know, when you look at a tournament where you can fish everywhere, the anglers that are retired or the anglers that have the benefit of fishing very frequently oftentimes have the advantage. In our events, everybody is fishing the same water. So now, whether you fish five days a week or you fish a couple times a winter, everybody's fishing down to the same water. So knowledge of the lake doesn't mean anything. It's all up to your. Skill as an angler so we love leveling that playing field to where it's all about you making decisions that day what jig what presentation active versus still um, so we love kind of that aspect and three we don't harm any fish we have a live scale set up right in the middle of the course so you catch a fish you run it into our live scale. We're going to put it in a tank, check the survival rate and health of that fish. We're going to revive that fish, pump it with oxygen. You'll get that, that fish very lively, weigh the fish live, and then we have the ability to release the fish. So we can come into an event and weigh a couple hundred fish and have zero mortality. So conservation is absolutely key for us. Um, so our style of event, yeah. We're limited on where you fish, but we really look at it as an advantage to, to really make the ultimate in, in an ice fishing tournament. I, um, I, on that- I, I love all of that. I For
2: yep. for people that may not remember, we did talk about that situation in Ohio, and it was crazy because guys – and they're in big trouble, by the way. Um, but uh, oh, yeah. they, they were dropping lead into the bellies of some of the fish, putting whole fish fillets down their uh, throats and all kinds of crazy things. I, we're going to run out of time if I don't jump in here. I want to know um, – price to get involved, how they get registered, and is it overall weight of the fish?
1: So, so what you're basically looking at, to enter, it's $55 per angler. That gets you into the park as well. So $55 per person, uh, and that waives all your park fees to get in. You can just go to tightlineoutdoors.com to register. You can go to Fishing Chaos to register. Or you can just simply search Ice Addiction Fishing Tournaments, uh, and you'll find us. So lots of ways to register. The first place prize at both events is $7,500 cash. Mm. So we're doing $7,500 cash. For first place at both events, at both events, the total 30 place prizes is we're over 28,000 in cash and prizes per event. So just shy of 60,000 for these two events in Utah. Um, so so a lot going on there. So we're excited about that. And it's the heaviest single fish. So it doesn't matter what species, heaviest single fish. So you don't have to be good enough to catch limits. It all comes down to that one fish. So the heaviest first fish takes first, and we pay down 30 spots deep.
3: Navi, sounds fun, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. And, by the way, at Rockport, there's some lovely carp in there. So, if you get one of those hogs, you're going to win.
2: Well, they're going to be at Echo. Echo Reservoir. Uh, oh, Echo.
3: Did I say yeah, Echo? Yeah. yeah. Echo is correct. That's where you catch them.
2: Up in Colville and then Steinecker uh, Reservoir February 4th. I'll tell you what, Nate. Let's connect again when we get closer to it. How's that?
1: Absolutely. Would love to. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's an event for everybody. If you show up, too, and you've never iced this before... I'll even loan you a rod, reel, and tackle
2: for the day. All right. It's tightlineoutdoors.com. We're going to take a break. Fish bites when we come back.
0: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
2: Ooh la la, oh my my, things get cooking round well quarter past five. Men get stupid and women roll their eyes, Every time Tammy does a shimmy at the- Fish fry. All right, time for some Fish Bites this morning. I'm still living off the energy of Nate Zelinsky. Who <laughs> I, I asked him when we wrapped up our interview, I don't know what you had in that cup this morning, but I want some of whatever it was. Man, that guy is plugged in. Uh speaking of being plugged in with what's happening around us for Fish Bites is Navidomskis. You've got Have you got another class coming up? I thought you were telling um, I'm me in fly. the
3: middle of a fly tying class. Ah uh, yeah. And I have one more beginning class. Um I need to film it for my online class. That's why I have went and I have one class in January, and that's it. Um I don't advertise it because it's going to sell out just word of mouth,
2: but yes, I do. And do you do those at You do those at the school too or no? Correct. All right. All right, so what's on the agenda today? Well, it's
3: ice fishing. Um it's that time of year, and uh, if you just heard Zelensky there, um he's he's a go-getter. Um yeah, ice fishing. I talk to a lot of people who don't know how to do it, and it, it's crazy because it's incredibly easy. And, by the way, don't think you're going to be cold. It's all we're going to be cold. It isn't that cold, really. Um, so, you know, they have those tents that break the wind. Those are cozy and fun. <clears throat> what is good about ice fishing, if you've never done it, it's a family event. That's the best part about it. My kids, we don't do it anymore, honestly, because my boys would rather go stand on the river in the middle of winter. But when they were kids they loved it. Um it's not that expensive to get started. Those little ice fishing rods are like, you know, 20, 30 bucks is all. Yeah. And um you drill a hole with an auger, you can use your strength and some people have those motorized augers, but you got to drill a hole and you got to bring some sort of a ladle to keep the ice out of your hole and some chairs and then dress warm. And and the most important thing is a good hat and good boots. If you got that and something to break the wind, you're going to be just fine. My wife actually loves going ice fishing with us. Um, she brings ice skates and skates around, and then she brings the newspaper because you sit in the chair for a while. It's, <laughs> it's real relaxing. Um, I like to pull, like, a toboggan out onto the water that carries all of our gear and even an ice chest for some warm cocoa or whatever. Um, and just throw it. find a place. You don't want it to be too deep. You want to get to the bottom. Bottom is key when ice fishing. So um, you're going to put on ice flies, which are basically pink chartreuse mostly because of the light spectrum. It's in the center of uh, Roy G. Biv, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then so what you do is understand that a lot of the light uh, for the fish is low. And in this kind of a situation, they like the smell. The smell leads them to some of the, you know, the targets that you want, the bait you're trying to put on there. And so you got to tip your little ice fly with something with an odor. It could be um, a mealworm. Um, it could be a real worm. It could be uh, pieces of fish, um, even smelly jelly, and at very worst, WD-40. WD-40 is great. In fact, I argue that you should spray your hands with WD-40 before you bait your line. Um, but you just drop it down to the bottom And then once you're sure you're on the bottom, the slack of the line will tell you that. Then you reel up, maybe a reel and a half. You want to be about six inches off the bottom. And it's a visual phenomenon. You're not going to feel the tug. You're going to see it. So if you raise up your line and then when you set it back down, if it sinks at the same rate, you're good. But if you raise it up again and all of a sudden you get a little curl, set the hook hard straight up. That's a fish. They love it when it drops more than when it's raised. Um, but you need something to detect the strike, and the the strike detection is the hardest part of this sport. You can fish right next to a person, they're catching everything, you're catching nothing, and the actual truth is you're just not detecting strikes. So if you use the little wires with a little eye hole, little uh, guy fishing uh, eye on it, put it at the end of your fishing rod because it's more flexy, or you could use a little uh, float, like a tiny little bobber. I like those long ones because they're more... Um, you can ascertain the strike a little easier and basically just set by snapping your wrist straight up. You almost have to stand up sometimes to hook them. And then everything else is self-explanatory. Um, once you catch one, um, the eyeball of the former one, you con- if you're not going to release it, is the greatest bait of all. Something yeah. about that odor. Uh, when you puncture that membrane of the eyeball, it's just... You got all kinds of fish and then just put them on the ice and they'll be great eating when you get home or you can release them if you want if you get them really deep it's going to be hard to get them back because um, that pressure causes their bladder to expand and they sometimes aren't able to get down to the depth that they were so prepare to eat these fish if you're going to catch them ice fishing
2: it really is a lot of fun and we were talking about how wind affects ice Uh, wind really affects ice fishing uh, it can be uh, a sunny day with wind that's bitterly cold, or it could be a uh, co- uh, cloudy day with no wind. It be just right. So uh, it makes a big difference. Here's the other thing. Don't think you need to go out to the middle of the lake somewhere. A lot of the ice fishermen, particularly up there at Strawberry, are probably, I don't know, 20, 30 feet off the shoreline and uh, catching fish all day. All right, buddy, that's going to do it. Hang on. We've got uh, ABC News at the top of the air, and then we'll go to the division right after that.